Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Swimming Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today we're discussing the long-awaited, the the ever-present in society, which is a distant memory or something like that. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Clap. Just wherever you are, get some confetti. We'll, we'll wait. You can pause. We can wait for you. <laughs> and resume and just throw them about. And get a hoover out, clean it up, and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, <laughs> we're going to be talking all things about this movie. We have both viewed it currently at this point in time, the once, only the once. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we might not be able to, I don't know, because it's a four-hour movie and <laughs> it's a very big deal. And at the same time, I mean, I found myself comparing a lot of things to the last version um so i can't i need to watch it again to like have just the experience of it <laughs> um, yeah to fully take it in every aspect yeah uh, but before that we do have an instagram account to bit of advertisement here uh mm. we do have an instagram account at marvelous Sooner podcast uh where we do every other day reviews and weekly podcasts that come out on monday um we also have a twitter account where we do the exact same thing just at twitter um at cinema marvelous um every other day reviews and uh yeah weekly podcasts on mondays mm-hmm. um, um so on, on that note as well i'd like to say a massive thank you for everyone because our last two posts have been two of our most successful ever yeah yeah it's been <laughs> i like a look around it's like oh yeah we post that one like oh that's 80 likes, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the highest I've ever had. And the Justice League review is the most we've ever got for a normal review. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it's the hype of the movie. <laughs> I know. We've capitalised. Oh, yeah. We've really capitalised. We've, we've made an appreciation post, a review in the, in the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stonks. So, <laughs> so we really went for it. Um, Isn't that a dead meme? I've just quoted that. One of the, one of the deadest memes you could have, I could have quoted. It's kind of coming back because of the, the gamer thing. What do you call it? GameStop, I think. Oh, is it? It's kind of coming back, yeah. Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm ahead of the trend then. You're in the loop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I think, okay, do you want to start with your general kind of consensus? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um. I think you probably said it when we sort of messaged a little bit before, uh, when we first sort of finished. You said it best when you said, just overwhelmed. <laughs> In a good <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Just so much there. Um, and some of it just felt like a fever dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, a, is this actually happening? <laughs> and part of it is that it's just, it's a movie, but it's, it, it, didn't, it didn't feel like a movie. <laughs> No, it, it felt, felt like its own beast, like its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> it um, felt just like I can't, I think the only comparable thing in this blockbuster recent memory kind of scale was only really Endgame. Mm. Like overwhelming in a good way is the only recent kind of uh, thing that I can compare it to, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is just, just it's, it was just an experience. Yeah, like you're experiencing this this thing mm-hmm. that is just so unconventional. <laughs> it's it's even it's, it's like I I even feel unusual like describing like acts of it because there 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 aren't the traditional acts. 
Yeah, not really. Yeah, there's, there's six parts in an epilogue. <laughs> there's a prologue as well that I forgot about until Twitter reminded me. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a prologue. Technically speaking, there's eight parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And it just sort of... In terms of being a critic, it just, it just how, how do you, how do you, how, how, how do you approach oh. it? How, yeah. And that has led me to the conclusion, the conclusion that I've come to a lot recently, is that I'm just not going to think about things as a critic. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. just going to go with the gut. Mm. And the, the gut instinct thoughts. is that I really, really enjoyed it. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think I saw it might have been a tweet or it might have been an actual review I can't remember but someone said it's it's less of a a, a narrative a piece of narrative film and more like a collection of vignettes about people in the Justice League team that mm. ends that ends to a certain extent with some sort of narrative film that we're used to of like people mm. come together in a big battle and the third act kind of wraps up but before that it very much is just like yeah, it's like vignettes and just kind of short films about these characters before they meet, um, and that's such a it's so strange to do that for four hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, it's still crazy that it's four hours. Um, but yeah, I think I will. I guess my general thoughts are, for the most part, I, we will get to like criticism, I guess, later on. But for the most part, I do love this film, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's. It surprised me, even though I was kind of expecting it based on what Zack Snyder said before it came out, but it surprised me how kind of not dark and grim this movie was. Mm. It, it had this element of dark and grimness, has a bit of edginess, don't get me wrong, but it has like a hopeful like faith to it, I guess, um, compared to BVS, which is very much kind of deadpan, serious, um, grim, dark, until like little tiny bits at the end um mm-hmm. and i think it works beautifully as kind of a a third chapter in the trilogy in that sense <laughs> yeah. um a return of the jedi kind of as it's just a dark film in the last one you get like the light-hearted kind of we'll get through it don't worry <laughs> um sort of thing um so i'm yeah i i guess overall I'm very, I'm very positive. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, I want, I want to watch it again, which is a rare thing for a four-hour film, <laughs> an unconventional four-hour film as well. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, do you want to get into specifics? Um, yeah, of, where, would you, where would you like to start? Uh, I guess. Okay. Well, how do you feel about the aspect ratio, the four by three? It's difficult to get used to. Really? Okay. I thought it's more difficult than I expected. I expected it to sort of be, oh, right, so I'm just going to be odd first five minutes, but then I'm going to be mm. on board with it. But I never, I never really got completely used to it. Really? Which, again, it sort of added to the, the weirdness of the experience. <laughs> but I did quite like it. Yeah. I, it, it was one of those things where I think because, I don't know, there's something about the way it's framed that just worked for me better than mm. I think it would have if it was like kind of just four by three by chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah. I but I do know what you mean. It is kind of like every once in a while I would go, Oh yeah, it's four by three <laughs> and then kind of have a moment of like off puttedness. <laughs> mm. Um but yeah and it's 
And I think comparing to the Whedon version, it's... Because I have seen on Twitter a lot of just, like, the side-by-side comparisons. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how on the other, like, Whedon side, it kind of looks a bit hyper-vibrant, a bit cartoony, and a bit kind of not well-framed, but kind of just okay-framed. Mm-hmm. And yet the same shot in this aspect ratio with the colour grading and with, you know, the score behind it and the actual character motivations behind it kind of land so much better. <laughs> um which I guess is my next point of how do you, comparing <laughs> the Whedon almost two-hour version to this four-hour Snyder version. Um, what... Well, I think I'm not the only one that's going to say that it is infinitely better in every department. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> um, and I think you mentioned it in your review. If anything, it just makes me even more angry with the, the theatrical release. Yeah. Because there are things that were quite obviously taken out or even refilmed, which absolutely outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you sort of mentioned is that the scene where Martha and I'm saying I'm saying Martha in inverted commas here, <laughs> where Martha talks to Lois Lane, like just in her apartment and persuades her to go back to the bugle. No, not the bugle. No, the, the I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the planet. Sorry. Um. Yeah, so what he says, obviously in this it's revealed to be uh, Martian Manhunter, which <laughs> I'm going to get to something funny at the end. <laughs> um, and it's a scene where you know, they're comforting each other and, and, and what have you. And I'm just sat there thinking, so you cut this and you filmed your own crap version. Yeah. I can't remember the lines, the really terrible line in the one they refilmed. Terrible lines, yeah. I can't remember... I can't, I'm going to have to Google this, because it's absurdly bad. I can't remember what the line is. Um, I think I know which one you mean. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's, there's that, which, I mean, I understand why you might, might want to, from Whedon's perspective, which is something that I don't really want to entertain, mm-hmm. because most of the decisions are absolutely outrageous. But if I was putting myself in, in those shoes, and I wanted to... And I, I was thinking about putting that scene in. There's no need to refilm it. No need. Just cut I... out the cut out her turning into Martian Manhunter. Yep. Ugh. And then when you look at the scene, like as in like just from just from like a visual perspective, you have that off-putting wig that they're wearing because they haven't got they haven't like you know grew out the hair for the role. Um, mm. You got the color, and also before the actual scene starts in the wooden version, you've got that. Um, the TV joke of like some woman on TV about how her husband got stolen by aliens. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and there's the. Thank God there's no Russian family. Dear God. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. I try to like. I, I always keep on trying to understand the why of like why you would do that, and I keep mm-hmm. on thinking. Oh, to ground it within the human kind of the the civilians of the movie, mm-hmm. and then I keep on thinking. Number one, it affects the piercing pretty badly in the other mm-hmm. version. Number two, they're not very interesting as even a family of like people you care about. Number three, you're replacing like these scenes that we are talking about right now with that <laughs> the the Russian family. Like, why are you replacing that with that? It just makes no sense to me. I think I found the line. 
All right. <laughs> this is just on the Fandom UK website. Um, while speaking to Lois Lane, Martha, Clem, Ma- Martha Kent claimed Superman, in inverted commas, said you were the thirstiest woman he'd ever met. <sighs> you see, like, why? <laughs> it's so much more annoying now that you know that they had a good scene ready to go. Like, oh my mm-hmm. God. Uh, it's just, just horrendous. And thank God Henry Cavill has a normal lip. <laughs> I never thought I'd be so happy to see it. Just, just, just a lip. A, a face that's not a horrible. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was going to touch the point as well. The color grading. I saw a comparison of the Flash at the end, mm. and I just, you know, I, th- I think, I think, I think something a bit sick entered my mouth <laughs> <laughs> upon seeing it. Um, yeah, just the whole. I was going to say the whole finale, but the whole thing just looks better. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know there are criticisms and people say that it's dark, it's dingy. Mm. And I get that. But at least it's got purpose behind it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to me that... And I still can't get my head around it. I still don't understand the purpose of it. The red sky in the Whedon version, mm-hmm. like how the entire finale goes from being like kind of a blue, uh, kind of shadowy kind of area to an overlit red area. Mm-hmm. I will never understand that in a million years. <laughs> it it's mm-hmm. crazy to me that they did that. Um, yeah, and and the, the fact the fact they took to they took the notes of the last two were too dark, a little too literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and one th- one thing you saw comment on was the fact that this is it's a lot more hopeful than the last two Snyder films in this universe. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of one thing that I, I sort of picked up on that somebody said in that I do think that in some ways Snyder has taken on board some of the criticisms we got from the last two. Yeah, I think so. Because too. there are more there are more like jokes in there. Mm-hmm. There are more attempts at humour. I mean, not on the absurd level of Batman out of breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there to a level where you think, yeah, he's 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 taken stuff on board there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's changed a few things because I do think a lot of the comedy in this works. I think it's kind of when it wants to be like an actually really funny superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, mm, like um, I love that interaction with Alfred and uh, Diana. That that was perfect. That was like, and that got me. Each stroke, like in that scene, got me. Um, <laughs> and it's hilarious to me that now that we, you know, we know that behind the scenes is always kind of like an add more humor, add more jokes, add more. Add more, um, you know, uh, weed and humor. Mm-hmm. It's so funny now that they brought on weed to make it more humorous. Yet he made a less funny movie than a Zack Snyder <laughs> film. <laughs> he did. That's the only hilarious. way in which he made uh, Justice League funnier was how funnily bad. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, you got him. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the weird things I also picked up on. It's not. To the exact same same scenes, but one scene in particular. One of the comments that I sort of had after Justice League was, "Are they playing the uh, like playing up a potential romance with Bruce and Diana?" Mm. Which is also in this one. It is in this one, yeah. With the mouse, which you know, it's a one-off thing where they sort of both yeah. reach for the mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Very you know, sort of made me think. Oh, I mean, I did actually quite like that touch in the original one. I know it's. Easy for me to say now, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think I mentioned it, and yeah, you know, it's a decent idea. Also, given what um, Zack Snyder said, said about Bruce Wayne, 
he seems determined to give him a love interest of some sort. Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I think I think we'll get to it probably a bit later, but um, I love the 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 turn of how different this Batman is from the last movie's Batman. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But Whedon, <laughs> back to the Whedon stuff. <laughs> um, it's so interesting to me that the film, the Whedon version. I think if you were to like, in terms of the structure and kind of pacing, you could, if you were like reading a book about structure and pacing, you could probably go, oh, that's the better film. Um, it has an opening act and it kind of, you know, it goes into the second act 40 minutes in and stuff like that. Um, but I find mm-hmm. it interesting that, and I find it again, a kind of a great kind of example of just because a convention has worked in the past does not mean it is the rule that applies to all films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, like rock is a good example. Like there's no, there's, there's no real kind of second act, second act in, in that movie until like maybe an hour and 10 minutes into the movie. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's a great film. Um, and yeah, I think it's just so odd that they did this, to this they did this to the film, which looked like, I mean, to me at least, looks like the film that Warner Brothers wanted this film to be anyway. Um, it's a brighter, hopeful, epic film. Um, and yet they were kind of like, no, let's do alien jokes and and f- the flask falling on Diana's chest. Okay, why? <laughs> uh. I, I could just hear the monotone dullness in your voice when you said that. <laughs> I, I, well, I can't, for number one, express the joy I felt watching that scene and feeling like, oh, maybe it was a, it, maybe it was a Snyder edition, um, the whole chest falling thing. And then mm. when it didn't happen, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, I, I had a similar thing where, um, you know, when they resurrect Superman. Yeah. And the league sort of arrive and Batman isn't there. Yeah. I thought, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't make don't make it all this time. Don't. <laughs> but no, he, he just arrives. There's yeah. no panting out of breath, which Can again I... is baffling. Why would you just add? Uh, yeah, I don't. Because all, all I seem to remember is that it's pretty much the same that scene, mm-hmm. except for Batman running out of breath and Superman saying, uh, "Do you bleed?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think. I always think it's a weird element that Whedon said we'll cut out the explanation, or at least like you know the the usage of the the gauntlet that absorbs uh, the alien energy. Yeah, I thought that as well. That's baffling that it wasn't in the yeah. Because because like... well, if he had included that, you also do include the funniest scene of the film, and like I said, with the Diana <laughs> and Alfred. Yeah, and. And also as well, like it, if Whedon was trying to like struggling to make uh, Batman seem useful in the team superheroes that can fly and stuff like that, then why wouldn't you give him you know a bit of invul- invulnerability to the aliens with this small little thing? Mm. Um, makes no sense to me again. Um, but I kind of want I kind of want to talk about what surprised you that was in the film that you didn't expect to be in this version. That was from like the last version. Um, I get. Uh, well, there, 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 there were probably a few things. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of the things is actually the, the that sort of the resurrection scene actually when Superman goes over to the monument. Yeah. I felt like that was um, felt very. It's probably the part of the film which felt very similar. Um, also, there's a section where um, I thought they were when Lois goes to get a cup of coffee. I think at the beginning, mm-hmm. like she's walking through the streets, and I think part of that is the opening credits of the Justice League one. Yeah, I think so. It's in the montage thing. Yeah, mm. um, I'm just trying to think now. <laughs> um, I I actually thought that most of the flash meeting Bruce was Whedon. Same, yeah. Like I know, um, I knew that the, the the brunch joke was Whedon. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> but I was surprised by how much of that was was Snyder. Not necessarily in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and as well, I... it's very. It's basically it is effectively the same plot in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the final, the final thing, the final battle is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically the same plot, just without any explanation of why Steppenwolf's doing what he's doing. Yeah, which it's... again, from a man who 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 wrote Loki in the first Avengers film, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. It, I think the I think the biggest thing about this film to just kind of go this the good version is imagine that first version but you understand the characters they have motivations they change the villain is interesting or at least you know why he's doing what he's doing mm-hmm. the film looks good it sounds good um, yes it's four hours but you know just commit to it like a Lord of the Rings film. You know, just commit to it for the, the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, People and... love Ben-Hur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this has superheroes in it doing explosions and stuff like that. So, you know, it's fine. Like Seven Samurai, long film, everyone's that film. This film has explosions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah. Um, weed and bad. <laughs> weed and, yeah, weed and bad. <laughs> um... So, also, I'm kind of glad that he didn't have that opening scene. Oh, yeah. You know the one yeah. with Batman on the rooftop? God, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, why Why did we need the parademons explaining? I don't know. I really the don't word know. parademon is enough. Yeah, and as well, I, I can't understand for the life of me cutting out the... Um, uh, the Superman kind of dying and his, his like, scream... Waking, waking up the boxes um, mm. because obviously I think it's a very good opening and I think it's very much kind of the centrepiece of the film is kind of you know from the beginning even if you haven't seen the last film that this film's all about how he died and the repercussions of him dying um, mm. and I think it makes it again it makes the whole thing feel bigger and kind of more planned out and a bigger scale to it compared to cell phone footage of Superman being a good boy, you know? <laughs> um, which I I love. I I love when Superman's really kind and really cool and, like, honest and sincere and kind of a dork. Um, that's probably my, my ideal interpretation of Superman, like a real kind of dorky character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not what these films necessarily were for the most part. Um, 
it's just a whiplash of that film compared to this version. It's so it hurts my neck <laughs> um, so much. Um, um, yeah. Another sort of point is the significant improvement to the characters. Yeah. Just in general, like mainly Cyborg and Flash for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still I still kind of felt a bit meh with Aquaman. He's more like the... He feels like Thor in Age of Ultron. He's just kind of there. <laughs> mm. like, yeah. I, I like him. I think Jason Leno does a great job. And I think he excels in a lot of the... A lot of the moments where it's just him with the League, I think are brilliant. Mm-hmm. The interactions he has with Flash and the interaction that he has with Diana at the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely brilliant. It's just that I feel like his... Some of the scenes he has um, in Atlantis are a little... I don't know, it felt like quite a departure. Yeah, I think like, so. I, th- I think when, when, when we cut back to Themyscira, I think it was all right because we knew Themyscira. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just without knowing Atlantis, it's kind of... And so I still haven't seen Aquaman either. Oh, right, okay. It's kind of a, oh, we're in Atlantis now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels like there's no sort of real introduction to that. But at the same time... I'm glad it's there because it provides the background for the interaction with Diana. Yeah, it kind of, I think, um, well, I guess, <laughs> kind of go back to what I was surprised that was in this film. Um, the bubble talking thing, like how they open mm. the air bubble. Yeah. Um, I was positive that that was a Whedon thing just because it was, it seemed easy to green screen, I guess. Like, kind of <laughs> have a character just kind of, in front of a green screen and we'll put water around them and don't bother with the whole air like the hair thing in the floating around mm-hmm. um so yeah i was surprised that was there and also there are some i didn't really actually realize this until after the film but i think there are some kind of continuity errors between this film and aquaman of um uh aquaman's kind of understanding of his parentage where i think he says his mother left him on the doorstep of some of um this guy of his father um which is, I don't think that's how it went. Because, like, Arthur was there when his mother got like, attacked and kidnapped <laughs> um, in the Aquaman film. I see, um, yeah. Well, did Aquaman come out after, just, after Justice League? Yeah, it did, yeah. Okay, so maybe, maybe because I think, technically speaking, those films go off Justice League, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as they're aware, the official canon is the Whedon version. Yeah, definitely. Which we'll get to eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's a potential reason. Um, one other kind of thing in line with that is, I, I, kind, of, I kind of found it a bit funny. Uh, how do you forget which planet you got your ass handed to you on a plate and you lost the three mother box boxes on? <laughs> I'd remember that. Yeah, I, I was so confused when... Steppenwolf does like finds out the anti life equation is there. I was like, I thought that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just stumble on it? Yeah, that confused me a lot actually. Um, mm. I guess Earth looks different, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but it's still in the same place. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I'll be honest. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I just sort of glossed over it. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe you know, they got a lot on their minds. Yeah. 
Well, do you want to quickly? Cause I don't really have that many. I just have a, a very few. Do you mm. want to talk about your flaws with like your kind of? I don't particularly like this in this movie. I suppose there's nothing I really hated at all. Same, yeah. Um, just the odd thing which kind of didn't didn't gel with me hundred percent. Batman using guns is still a little unusual to me. <laughs> Yeah, I... I mean, I excuse it in this because he's, he's not really shooting people, is he? It's an alien gun. It's alien. It's Spider-Man having the insta-kill mode in Endgame, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fine. Um, one of the slightly unusual thing is um, the way that Diana maybe kills the terrorists. I think that's that's genuinely annoying me. <laughs> because, it's... I mean, I love Wonder Woman. I think what we both love uh, Wonder Woman 84 a lot. Yeah. And that version is so pure and not at all violent and completely just protecting everyone she can. Mm-hmm. And then having her kind of offhandedly, kind of not even really caring, kill someone. And then straight after that, say to little girl, you can be whatever you want to be, including <laughs> yeah. a murderer. <laughs> it's, it's a slight little bit of whiplash. Which I have a quote um, about, actually. I have a quote sorry? about this. Because um, I was wondering, it does Patty Jenkins agree with this? Okay. Kind of? And I found a quote about her opinion on, on Wonder Woman killing, which I didn't think she would have. Um, about the her killing, she says, she will always try anything else before she will resort to killing anyone. That's an incredible balance of Wonder Woman. Um, I, I always think of it like putting a wounded, a wounded animal, animal down. It's like there's something very maternal about Wonder Woman. When push comes to shove, if nobody else wants to do it, Wonder Woman will, will step up and take care of business. But she doesn't want to do it, and she'll not take any delight in it. Um, which, now that I think about it, in the first one, she just kind of kill people. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole point of that film is that she wants to kill um, Hades. Yeah, and I kind of guess I got swept, in, swept up in the Richard Donner kind of mm. one of them eighty four vibes um, to kind of realise that, but I do think the problem for me in this version is is the kind of like she doesn't really seem to care that she's doing it. <laughs> mm, I know what you mean. It's so offhand, and I generally kind of jolted up, kind of like, a, oh my god, is that blood? <laughs> when I saw the blood. Um, it kind of off-put me for a little bit, I won't lie. It kind of got me in the kind of like, oh, that's the kind of the part of Snyder I don't like. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, there, there is sort of like a, the aspect is one that kind of grates on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, on the flip side, I, I completely get why she cuts Thingy's head off. Oh, that I am so fine with that. That's completely yeah, fine. I was definitely fine with that. That's um, an alien it's just demon. those terrorists at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it means you could argue that the main terrorist, you know, she didn't really have that much of a choice. Yeah, there's a bomb going off and children there. Um, mm. It just kind of, I don't know, it kind of felt like the the little part of every Snyder film, even though I, for the most part, do like his films, um, there's, there's always a small part of me going, this is like a teenager's idea of being edgy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very much that kind of, I don't need this. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Any other kind of flaws? Um, I think obviously something, I don't, I don't even know if you can count it as a flaw, but the first sort of two parts, maybe? Three parts, there's a lot of... Um, it takes it really slow. 
A lot of plot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of plot. There's a lot. There's a lot of slow motion action sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the two, the main two being the that stand out to me are the sort of introduction to Flash, where we see, see her save the woman in the car. I can't remember the character's name. I know I, she's important. Is that I think she's important. Yeah. I think she's an important comic character. Um, and then the sort of introduction to Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, we've got another slow motion sequence, but I'm just sat there sort of thinking, yeah, but it's cool. It looks <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. Because um, mainly that, that flash sequence, I really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. Again, it's kind of little vignettes of these characters' lives <laughs> before we meet them properly in the team. Mm, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I actually... Maybe a controversial opinion, but I sort of seem... I feel more taken to the slow-mo um, flash sequences in this than I do X-Men's Quicksilver. I'll be honest, I think I do too. <laughs> like obviously the, the one in um Days of Future Past is, is iconic. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna take that away from it. It's quite a legendary scene. The ones after it are meh. The apocalypse feels kind of out of nowhere. It kind of just happens. <laughs> yeah, it um, feels like oh this worked last time, we'll do it again. Yeah. Um but I feel like there's just something the way that it's 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 obviously similar in the Justice League one, but it's just ever so slightly more Grand, yeah. I guess it's just the the way that sort of music plays and the just there's a lot of more emotional weight put into it. And then of course you do have the the sequence at the end, which is mind blowing. <laughs> and thank it's... God we don't have a race with Superman. <laughs> yeah, um... actually, actually, that 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 is um that brings me to another the thing they mentioned about things I thought were Whedon but weren't. Uh-huh. Um, is when they try to restrain Superman. You know, oh, really? Flash is running. Yeah. And you see Superman turn his head because obviously he can move as fast as him. Oh, yeah, that bit, yeah. I always assumed that was Whedon. I think it's because of, like, the kind of cartoony face of the Flash in it. Like, mm. the kind of, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of that that got me. But, yeah, I kind of, I know what you mean. Um... I kind of want to have another quote <laughs> because I've been reading a lot about this film and just everyone's mm-hmm. opinions. I think I've just got a lot of quotes. So, but this is the last one, I promise. It's um, okay. Bring as many as you want. <laughs> it's from the website um, Roger Ebert Reviews. Um, it's reviewed by Matt Zoller Zeitz, who's, a, I think, a, from what I know and what I've read from him, he's very kind of like a esteemed, you know, um, critic person. Um, mm-hmm. Out of four stars, he gave it three and a half. So that was very nice of him. Um, but I want, kind of want to quote this part because it interested me about either you're a fan of the slow mo and the the beautiful imagery over the actual narrative meaning. I guess sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and I think the way he put it was very very good. Um, so I just want to start the quote right now. <laughs> the point is not to shovel plot information at the viewer. The point is to create a fantastic world where metaphors are real and it gives you time to roll around it and savour all the details. Scenes often start long before screen, screenwriting manuals often, no, screenwriting manuals tell you they should and continue way past the point when significant exposition has been communicated. This is not, this is a feature, not a book. 
and it's, it results in a good number of the scenes and sequences that make the film feel special, even as they eliminate any possibility that Zack Snyder's Justice League will tell a propulsive, coherent, orderly tale. Um, and I think it's that he makes like a little end point there where he says that that Aquaman seaside power walk <laughs> is also reminiscent of the moment in the Royal, Ten- the Royal Tenenbaums when the lustric Richie watches Margot uh, walk off the walk off a bus. Except here it's not about one character's love for another, but the director's love for Aquaman and the actor who plays him. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I think I think specifically the moment I, like the bit that got me there was it's a feature, not a bug. Mm. Um, it kind of struck me as if you were in it, if you just want to experience the way this director views his characters, um, then it becomes the best part of the film <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, mm. And I think I, I think one of the, one of the key parts is that Snyder has constructed these heroes and this film like um, like a myth. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a great, a great legend, and like something that um, he said, he said recently when he was asked about Marvel. Yeah. Which again, he was an absolute legend about. It. He was quite kind to Marvel, which I wasn't actually expecting. <laughs> Same. I was expecting like a David Ayer fuck Marvel. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was very kind to them. But he see, and he, he highlighted how DC is more famous for sort of the mythology of its characters, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the one of the cornerstones of his his films here yeah is that they are they are heroes as in the age of heroes <laughs> you know these are big larger than life legends yeah um and i think that's that's sort of an, an, an important difference because mm-hmm. if you look at the credits for this is like a tiny thing it's like an admin thing but if you look at imdb and you look at the actors and the credits um for for the film It'll, it'll always say Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or Cyborg Flash. Yeah. Whereas if you look at um, any of the Avengers films, it says it says Tony Stark, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's sort of the big difference between these two films. Not that, not that Snyder doesn't view them as people because he does. And he, he he gives them great character arcs in this film, yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. But the idea of viewing them as these heroes. Worthy of of big statues in the middle of a city of monuments, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's sort of like, yeah, and that's the cornerstone of how he views them. Yeah, it's. I think the highlighting moment for me where I realised that Snyder was never well. I guess he was, but he wasn't going for Christopher Nolan realism, like like that kind of. It's a it's a it's a heist film, but with Batman in it. It's kind of mm. it's more going for that mythological, grand. I kind of, I kind of think with this score from Junkie XL, good name. Um, <laughs> it feels like a like a heavy metal rock opera. <laughs> mm. um, and I think a moment that almost struck me as, holy shit, this guy like generally thinks of these people like they are gods that are walking <laughs> among us. Um, and I think the moment that got me into that mindset was in BVS when that guy who was in the the Metropolis kind of incident uh thing mm. um, yeah yeah um when he when he like sprays onto the statue of superman a false god and the film portrays that moment as the most devastating horrible thing that's ever happened yeah. and i was like this is cool like if you're in you're in <laughs> yeah. um yeah <laughs> but 
Yeah, I just I think... think that, but I think that, that's probably a very good way of describing these Snyder films. If you're in, you, you're in. If you're not if, in... Yeah, you... if, if, if you're not in, and if you're not willing to sort of fully commit to this idea and this, this sort of way that he views them, you're not really going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think... I, when we I keep, we keep on saying it in episodes of podcasts and the reviews and everything that we want to have variety in these big blockbusters mm. um, and variety does kind of mean that not everyone will like it at all times um, so I like the idea that we have on the Marvel side generally quite well praised everyone for the most part at least enjoys them and I think Zach and I put it very well and I love these films and it's kind of like saying they've nailed like pop culture action with a really good heart at the center mm. um i think that's a very good description as well like they've got the comedy and the humor and the darkness and all that combined into relatable character interactions um and i think it's helpful that we in this genre have birds of prey and we have aquaman which i have i don't love aquaman but i respect that film for being bonkers <laughs> that's a crazy film <laughs> Um, and similar thing here, this film is crazy. It's so weird for a superhero blockbuster to be this just odd all around. Mm. Um, and I think we need that in this genre, and this is a great example of it. Um, would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it really sort of it widens the playing field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it it changes the this, this scope and the scale of what a, a superhero film can be, which can only really be a good thing. Yeah. It means that films like Marvel, in a way, it, it makes them more special. Mm-hmm. It's not just the sake of making a special film on its own and this is the only special one. It, it By adding this kind of diversity and this range, you make ones that are already there more special. I mean, we, we're having that as well with the TV shows that's sort of coming out of Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, they're changing the landscape and changing what you expect from a superhero thing. Yeah. Uh, or, or a comic book adaptation, and that, that can only be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, comparing, like, Endgame in this film is is night and day in terms of what they're going for, even though they're mm-hmm. in the same kind of genre and structure, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to... You, you No one is forcing you to go, this one's the better version it's just mm. there, thought, you don't have to pick. No, you don't have to pick. You can love both. You can you can hate both. You can do whatever you like. It's not you know rank these movies in order of what's the best version of this and all that. Because um, the movie's only been out a, like a uh, three days now, um, and already on Twitter there's like you know like those things of like an Endgame poster, then like the over sign, and then Justice League or the other way around or whatever, or mm. like this film was better than all the MCU combined. I'm like, you don't, can you not just like and dislike whatever and not be like, objectively, this is the best version of this thing? <laughs> I think that's what speaks to something else I saw recently, where you, you constantly have this with fans of being like, oh yeah, but this is better. This is better than everything the MCU's ever done. It's the greatest mm-hmm. superhero thing ever. Or like, or on the flip side, oh, Iron Man's the best superhero thing ever. It's better than any DC thing. Yeah, and then yeah, you just you just look at like the people that actually make these films, and you've got the Russo brothers being like, "Well done, Zach. <laughs> we look, we yeah. love you, mate. Well done." Yeah, <laughs> and then and you've got you've just got all sorts like creators being like, "Yeah, mate, we love it. 
<laughs> Go on. Do what you I, want. It's fine. Um, it's like it's like it's like being a like some sort of massive sports event, and you've got all the fans in the stadium, and they're all throwing shit at each other. And then you're in the VIP boxes, and everyone, all the actual people involved, are just hugging, and yeah, shaking like, hands, sorry, <laughs> having a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't understand this whole war method of thinking about films and what it, like think about anything critically, having like kind of a war perspective with it. Um, but I think I guess I do I'd have another flaw. I think this is my main flaw of the film. Um, it's kind of the nightmare sequence at the end. Um, mm. It's I again. I think if I I like the scene on its own. Um, I think it's a very good scene and a very good kind of, especially visually, it's a very amazing setting and kind of. I kind of I loved how Zack Snyder shot the the Joker kind of talking to Batman how he was out of focus for half the time. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's great. I love that. Because like there's a point where there's like a full on shot of like just the Joker looking almost a camera and it's all out of focus. So all you can really see is like the abstract idea of the Joker's face. Mm-hmm. And when I say I was scared of Jared Leto's Joker, I, I, I was scared and I could not believe, I cannot believe I just said that. I Were was you scared, scared of the fact that you were scared of him? <laughs> yeah, kind of, because he's Jared Leto and I don't like that man. <laughs> um, yeah, we were very but, much the same on him. I was the same, I was thinking, I don't like this man, but he's doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta from now on. I gotta say he's a bad Joker in Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, but as this idea of this apocalypse Joker, yeah, <laughs> and I loathe to say this, but he's kind of perfect. Kinda, yeah, and it's it's crazy that we live in this world, the society now. <laughs> um, also, I love the fact that we that we live in a society is just the biggest troll. <laughs> I like how they even put it when the title of the film shows up in the trailer. So, like, there's so many images around Twitter around the time of the trailer where it was just, like, Zack Snyder, just, just as League. And then in the captions below it would say, we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> like a perfect, like, Snyder microcosm of his edginess sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I... Just, 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 just that, that line of... Um, I think he says something like... We've got all the time to explain why you sent the boy wonders to do a man's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a chilling line that is. That was a great line. Uh, that got me. That was probably mm. the point where I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a very good scene. I think it's a very interesting world. I think it's very much Snyder unleashed. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it is. It, it, you can clearly tell it's sort of Zack Snyder and, and the team going to Warner Brothers and saying, we are doing this reshoot. Yeah. <laughs> you can either fund it, uh, but we it, are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think... So Jared Letter's waiting outside. He's put his own makeup on. <laughs> you think He's... you think that's all costume design? No, he has taken all of those police badges himself. <laughs> He's he is ready crown. to go. He's wearing a crown. Race should turn himself into an actual cyborg. We're ready. We can do this. <laughs> Uh, the flash is like he's here. I don't know where he came from. He's just here. <laughs> mm. um, oh yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, it's a similar thing to be the S. I think I said it in a review, but the nightmare sequence. I just think it has no place being in the films right now. Like at most, it's end credit stuff, and even then, 
Jack Snyder doesn't do any, any credits, so just don't do it yet, you know? Um, I also think in terms of this, this narrative of this film, the nightmare scene kind of goes against the narrative of the film. It's kind mm, of... It's a more hopeful tone. Yeah, it's kind of like, after all, this hopeful kind of, for the first time, Snyder's having, you know, kind of a grand kind of, these characters are good people and they deserve to be good good people kind of story. Mm. Um, I think, I, I also think it's also weird that there is actually a perfect other place to put this. I was thinking this too, but where's your place? <laughs> um, my place is, well, I actually know the, the, there is two. Um, the first one being when Cyborg sees a vision of the future just before Flash resurrects Superman. You know, there's like a montage sequence. Yeah, yeah. Where um, it shows Darkseid killing everybody. <laughs> Very I good, think by that the way. Would, that, that would, yeah, Omega Beam's on point. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a good place to put it. Or you could put it um, just before the Flash saves everybody. Yeah, I was thinking, my, in my mind, before the movie came out, it was everyone dies in the third act and then we have a Speed Force moment and in that moment he sees the future for a bit and then we come back yeah. and then we either, maybe not fix that reality, but kind of just fix this movie's plot, which kind of puts that to the wayside for a bit. Um, mm, yeah, because um, I was thinking after all that happened, I was thinking, did I dream there's a nightmare sequence? <laughs> yeah, same. I was when the plot was like officially we're done. We're moving. Clark's going back home. We're doing. You know, everyone's doing their their thing. Everyone's you know meeting their dads and going to prison. Whatever. Um, mm. I was like, when are we doing that scene? <laughs> was it um, was it all troll? Might you know what would have been hilarious. Um, <laughs> but I just think it goes against the film as a narrative um, and kind of for no real reason aside from we'll probably do this pretty soon um and i think for me getting onto a positive which was superman and his kind of reappearance and his mm. i mean that moment i can't even, i can't even remember the moment in the whedon version when they say to each other we're doing we're getting him back we're getting superman back i can't mm. remember it in this film it's so it hit me so hard <laughs> yeah when, they're like there's like a circle shot where they're all around the table and looking at the mother box and mm. the flask goes look well, who's gonna say it because i'm not gonna say it and then cyborg does the whole the hologram of superman flying and yeah. the score the score this comes in so hard it's it's amazing <laughs> and in the way it sort of circles around the hologram yeah yeah <laughs> oh, brilliant and it ends on bruce yeah um and as well, it sort of feeds into the, the line which is in one of the trailers from Alfred, which is that if, if, you, if you can't bring down the raging bull, then don't wave the red flag at it. Or the red cape at it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think these films are full of, there have been so many great just quotes that you can you can recite from them. And I was think, just thinking afterwards, um, what's this film's? Because I always think the one for Batman and Superman is the Martha Kent speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where where she says you can be their monument, be their hero, or you can be none of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think for this one, I know this because it was in the trailer, but I definitely think it's the Batman. I don't care how many demons he's fought in, how many hells. <laughs> he's never fought us, not as united. Yeah. I think that's that's probably that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I mean, 
I also quite like the 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 Wonder Woman kind of little moment where she goes, "I belong to no one." Before fighting mm. Seven Wolf, um, that's great. Which again, we didn't replace that with something like you overestimate yourself. Like why? <laughs> why do that? Just um, just let let Wonder Woman be a badass. It's like he's trying to demean her. Yeah, all the way through that film, he's he's kind of just making fun out of her. Um, and being a bit pervy. Yeah, and, and thank God that Aquaman scene of him kind of just going to one woman and be like, damn, you're beautiful for like 10 minutes straight. That was a scene in that film. That mm-hmm. was in it, I guess. And again, for, for the point of comparison, you put that in and you you cut out the whole Atlanteans and Thermoscarans fighting. Hang on a minute, we're not actually that different. <laughs> yeah. See? It's crazy to me. Um and yeah, I think. Well, how do you feel about Clark and his kind of? I guess the arc over these three films, because this film is very much the kind of. He doesn't really have an arc, but more kind of a, a finishing off of the previous arcs, I guess. Mm, yeah, it's more of a symbolic thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um. And it's just it just feels like a really cathar cathartic, <laughs> cathartic experience, of having him just be. Like you say, it just sort of finished them off because he's, he's not really in this film. Mm, not really. Considering it's four hours, he's probably in about 20 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the whole the whole way he comes back, how he remembers, it's just a lovely scene. When Martha arrives, it's lovely. I think it is ultimately just best represented when he says, um, I've got a second chance. <laughs> um, which, in a way, it just works on the level of um, he's kind of been rewarded for being a hero. Yeah. Which is perhaps the most powerful message you can probably take away from it. Mm-hmm. It's that yeah. it pays to be good. <laughs> he's a good, <laughs> good person and he's got, he's got that reward. Yeah. Um, and everything sort of come together. He's reached, reached that, that sort of peak. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where he's in the Kryptonian ship and the <laughs> yeah. voices of um, I, can't, I want to say Jurel, but I can't remember if that's the name Jorel? Jurel, yeah yeah. Jurel and Jonathan Kent just intersplicing with each other and that's really moving yeah um, again, again it's, it's also in one of the trailers but I think it's in one of the previous films but the line from Jonathan Kent of um you you you've got to you've got to find what your purpose is, even if it takes you your whole life. And then just to have him fly up and be yes, this is the purpose. <laughs> and that yeah. is a glorious shot when he's above Earth. Yeah, it's a perfect like Snyder. He's Superman's Jesus Christ doing a Christ pause. <laughs> <laughs> he's Jesus. Damn right he is. He's he's reborn, second life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's kind of. A miracle that this film, after after such kind of a an attack on the symbol of Superman in the last film, um, mm-hmm. which you know is what I think makes sense to a certain extent for a middle, middle chapter to do, kind of yeah. be go against the first chapter, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it just really interesting that this film managed to make me generally believe that he was not only back but what he was fighting for to begin with actually came to like fruition. Mm. Um, which 
it's kind of something somewhat present in the Whedon version, but here because Batman gets so much kind of um, you can I I love that line where he says to Alfred um, when Alfred's like, "What are you basing this all on?" He just kind of says in a really jovial way, he kind of just faith. Um, I find that so inspiring, mm. especially in comparison to like the logic and reason of the last version of him. Whereas, like, yeah. even there's a 1% chance he's our enemies, we have to take it as an absolute cer- certainty. And now it's kind of like, I just got to have faith that this is going to go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just the fact that he's sort of being transformed. Yeah. And it's something you said, I think you said it ages ago on one of the podcast episodes, but the fact that Snyder took the, the point of view of turning, the taking these characters at their worst and making them into their best. Mm, yeah. And that yeah. sort of fully embodies it, where... When 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 he's getting onto that plane thing, mm-hmm. um, and he says the thing about faith twelve, and he sort of backs on, and he's smiling. <laughs> I just can't help but think that's Batman. Yeah, <laughs> lead, lead, leading the boys into battle. <laughs> and I mean, doing Batman as, stuff. <laughs> as much as I didn't think the nightmare sequence had a place in the film, I thought that is followed up by the the hopeful kind of. Um, him, him in his apartment, kind of waking up like the same as last time, um, in the movie in BBS, mm. and he kind of sees Martin Manhunter for the first time, and his reaction is very much, okay, new alien. Do you want to be in the team? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thinking about, I found that scene really funny, <laughs> especially the line where he sort of um, he says, "People call me Martian Manhunter." If that was me, I'm thinking, do they? <laughs> it, it's like it's just like a Star Lord kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's that's what you really want people to call you. Yeah. But what, what do they actually call you? Do they just call you Greeny? <laughs> you get you got like bullied in high school, and now he's going to college. He wants to make a new identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, I I also thought that's great as well. Is that a reshoot? I think so. Yeah, I and mainly I think... say that because Ben Affleck looks thinner. Yeah. That's what I was gonna to say too. Um, mm. That's another. And, and, which again is it's, it's kind of kind of. I'm 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 not, I'm not gonna say necessarily good, but it's more of a relief to see this reshoot come about and look at Ben Affleck and think he looks healthier. Yeah, he does. Yeah. As opposed um, to him in several of the reshoots, where you kind of think, shouldn't somebody be checking on this man? Yeah, that's how I I felt. I think we said this earlier to each other, like before uh, podcast. Um, that we kind of felt bad watching the Whedon cut because you can see Affleck not wanting to be here at all. Mm. Um, in like not in like a you know a lazy way, but more like he needs help. <laughs> he needs to not be in this environment doing a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see him at the end with, I think it definitely reshoot along the nightmare stuff. But I love the fact that it ends and it's you know it's a sunset. It's kind of a golden, uh, the golden hour glow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, new alien. Um, <laughs> he's kind of just like, okay, sure, more aliens, more help, more friends, and all for more friends. And he looks healthier. He has a smile on his face. Um, mm-hmm. Also, he's Mastermind says something like, "Your parents will be proud of you," and he goes, "Well, let's, let's hope so." And he says it so kind of jovial. And again, I can't help but compare it to you know. My parents taught me a different lesson: dying in the gut for no reason at all. I'm like this man's changed, <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, I love it's, like, it's like a euphoric thing of 
he's seen the light. Yeah, and I love that parallel. I didn't really know it was aside from I think on Twitter I saw someone mention it, but when the the team kind of pull up Batman from the the kind of smokestack at the end of the film, it's kind of a parallel to him being kind of um, at the bottom of the the well in a when the bat atta- the bat attack him as a child. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, oh, and he God, says something, something like, um, he says something like, uh, and then the bats or what they took me in the dream. I get taken up to the light, um, a beautiful lie. So he doesn't believe in that beautiful light anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's kind of even before this film came out. Said the death of Superman and the Martha moment is kind of his first kind of recognizing the light isn't just a lie. And then mm-hmm. to have that come to the end of like the Superman alien god that he was so fearful of gives them a hand to get up and they both kind of just stand there kind of like yeah we're friends now <laughs> it's so cool to me um i really love it and yeah it's so good <laughs> mm-hmm. any other i don't know what to go from because it's four hours and there's so much stuff um, <laughs> um so i just sort of mentioned the uh, we sort of touched on the, the way the characters are better better treated this time around mm-hmm. um Cyborg and Flash mainly. There are several sort of points where I kind of nearly teared up. The same, yeah. Um, first one being the scene with the whole thing with the waitress. Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> oh, it got me. Yeah. <laughs> just the fact that this this guy feels just hates himself so much. Yet when he's given all this immense amount of power, he's he's literally told he has access to the world's nuclear arsenal, <laughs> and the first thing he does is give. Is it a hundred thousand dollars to a waitress single mother who has just lost their apartment? Yeah, and he walks away, and like that person looks at him like he's just like a creature, and has like mm. kind of that duality of I can do all these amazing things, but I'll probably never be accepted accepted uh, accepted by anyone. Um, mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he sort of had that scene with Diana where she tries to persuade him, and you you can see that he's tempted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that he's nearly persuaded, but then ultimately leaves and something I said to you the other day that what Diana says there works beautifully as Wonder Woman 89 it does yeah um yeah um and the, the other thing that sort of nearly brought a tear to my eye was when Flash is you know he's going going in the speed of light at the end and he's, he says I can't, I can't remember exactly what he says but he says that he just wants his dad to be able to know that he was one of them Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear god damn it I, I think it just speaks volumes that those stories are the bare bones of those stories are in the theatrical cut but if you just give them the meat that the meat on the bones that the Snyder cut gives them they are transformed into really wonderful stories yeah because they are they are ultimately very separate stories but they just work and they're all mm. really emotional ones well I find it interesting that every character I think literally everyone as well has like some sort of parent tragedy kind of living up to the ideal of their parent. Mm. Um, everyone across the board has that. And I guess, you know, superheroes in general do have that kind of, most of their parents are either bad people or good people that I have, I have to live up to. It's either one. They either die or they either, you know, they're always, you know, a point of interest in the superhero mythology. Um, but it's so interesting that these characters don't necessarily talk to each other about the stuff that we know about them. It, like, we don't really get that much about them interacting on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice that, again, the sort of 
small short films before they actually they actually meet up together let us know that when they are connecting that it is kind of healing them together mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's there a is sort of... a sense of it's helping them mm-hmm. yeah they're helping each other mm-hmm. and uh, it's again like you like exactly what you said there it's like kind of the meat on the bones it makes me pretty much love the character of the flash in this movie mm. and when I walked out of the cinema in 2017 for the other version, I literally could not have heard the character more. <laughs> um, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, how can you go from this version where he's a genuinely likeable sort of idiot mm-hmm. to the Whedon one where he's an insufferable twat? <laughs> yeah. It's the, or is it, it's just, this is the bat cave. Like, is that, what is it? It's like a cave of bats or something like that. It's on the other cut. Um, and he has so many dumb lines and you go, oh god, the brunch and also that point, I think there's always a, I didn't like the scene ever when um, uh, the flask kind of draws a face on this guy really quick because it, it, it just feels like mean-spirited before we actually get to understand the character mm. um, it's such an odd thing to me to do, to kind of be like the dad going, you're a brilliant guy and you can do all these amazing things and I'm a, I'm a drag on your life and then before that scene, have some like lighthearted comedic scene of him being a dick. <laughs> Just odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even though there are only two scenes he has with his father, it just brilliantly captures that relationship. The, the second scene, that got Ooh, me. Yeah. That, the way, way he's genuinely over the moon. He is so happy. And I love the fact that I didn't even hear it the first time, but I heard it like I saw like a like a uh, a picture with the captions on of it, where he says he's like happy about him getting the uh, flask getting a job and all that, and he at some point says something like, "This kid, he learned nothing from me." <laughs> I just love that so much. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's really it's a really nice touch that, and I think. It's something that you said in your at the end of your your review that we did uh, on on the social medias, is that this kind of proves that despite what people are saying, Zack Snyder does actually love these characters. Absolutely, yeah. Like there was obviously there was obviously particularly in the direction of Batman about him murdering people and thinking, oh, he just hates these characters, doesn't know what he's doing, mm-hmm. but he, he clearly he clearly understands them and loves them like we all do. Mm-hmm. And I think. Even in the nightmare stuff, like the whole apocalypse future, I like that it's it comes about when Clark Kent loses loses human ah, loses his humanity. I like that idea that without the human aspect and that without the the love and the joy that he feels when he's at Kansas and with his, with his mom and with his uh, with Lois, um, without that and with the anti-life equation kind of introduced. It becomes in the apocalypse world because humanity lives literally at the center of this universe's fate, <laughs> um, which is a, such a great idea. But I also love the idea that if we ever do see the, the nightmare world and a nightmare film, I do think that it will be interesting to see how much Snyder goes full on Snyder kind of edginess. Um, and I cannot wait to see how he brings it back from that because mm-hmm. I don't think. Similar to, you know, Endgame um, for kind of, you know, everyone goes away for five years. But we do eventually get back to the status quo of things. 
mm-hmm. I do think that's what the nightmare world is. It's not like a dead set. This is definitely the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of the possibility if, you know, there's not enough people on the team or whatever. Um, and I love the idea that I just, yeah, I think it's just that I kind of don't like nightmare stuff in this film and in the last film. I find it interesting that I can't get it out of my mind that without Clark being a human being, we're, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point. Which kind of goes against everything everyone says about Snyder, about him thinking about him as a god. Like, mm. him having a home to go to is the most important thing about this character. Mm. Um, and he clearly understands that. Clearly, yeah. It's literally the the moral fibre of him being at home and kind of talking to Lois Lane. Mm. Um, I... <sighs> He, he, he does get the characters, whether you agree with the way he <laughs> interprets getting the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets the characters, he just... He, he's... He doesn't think that the rules are necessarily rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He treats like a character's characteristics as more of a guideline. <laughs> yeah, just Pirates of the Caribbean thing. Speaking of which, I actually used, I don't know why I had this thought when I, when I was watching the film. Um, it reminded me a lot of the third Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> well, uh, the, the Maelstrom sort of thing. Yeah, that and kind of just like how it's a big three-hour epic film that started out from being a fun adventure film. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that idea of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise going from summer blockbuster to depressing kind of three-hour, really grand and operatic adventure mm-hmm kind of weird thing that resurrects dead people and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film, again, kind of started out as a superhero origin film about Superman and now we're at this, this crazy weird Snyder world. <laughs> um, Four-hour film. Um, it's, yeah, a lot of parallels for some reason in my mind to that film. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. Um, um, and this, this is sort of one of, the, one of the big questions. I didn't want to ask it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big question that we'll get asked eventually is where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I, I have a, I'm 80% of my mind is going, he's, we're not going to get any more of these films from Snyder. I mm. think we're moving forward. We're getting a new Superman in a new direction. We're getting a new Batman as well. We're getting, mm-hmm. you know, James Wan, Aquaman movies, all that sort of thing. But a good, like, 20% is going, like, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Is that, I, and it's sort of what Snyder just said has slowly changed a bit. Yeah, kind of. Like, I think one of the latest things he's, he's, he's come out of that he said in that he hasn't given up hope. Yeah. And he... I think he compared, and to be fair, it's a good point. He made a good, very good point where he said, it's more crazy that Warner Brothers would remake a film that they already made for like 300 million or 80 million, I think it was, 80 million um, dollars um, that they would release on a, on a streaming service um, in, the middle of, in the middle of a pandemic and let me reshoot scenes four years after the film came out. Um, it's more crazy that that would happen than a new Justice League movie. And I was like, "That yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. <laughs> this is the that's most crazy you thing. Say, you... Sorry. This is like this is just the more crazy thing out of the two things. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and you know that you know the the, the Snyder Cut, the hashtag release, the Snyder Cut sort of movement, it still has the momentum, mm-hmm. and I think some of that momentum is being siphoned into the new hashtag. Yeah, restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. Whether I I don't think that will have the same momentum and the same power that the other one did. Yeah, I, agree, I think yeah. people will try. Clearly, they're going to try. <laughs> um, but I don't think you'll have the same momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you have sort of little things like the fact they're moving on with different projects, uh, different directions. There's sort of there's still the friction between the between the Warner Brothers and the actual people that make them. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly, you know, Greyfish has spoken out about a lot of. A lot of what went on with the the Whedon version and yeah. several of the people that contributed to that environment are still at Warner Brothers. They are still the de- decision makers. Yeah. So who who really knows? Um, would you like to see a sequel? Uh, I would like to see one. It's a question of. It's a question of how much is it going to be, the way he wants it to be. Mm. Um, and more than just that, it's am I just holding out, holding out hope, and kind of foolishly believing in the idea that this whole nightmare world isn't just him, his end game. As in, like, just this is where the universe is going, no matter what. Um, mm. And at the end, we kill Superman, and that's the end of the franchise. Um, I wouldn't particularly love that idea. I kind of look like the idea of you know. Like I said, the humanity is at the centerpiece of this entire thing, and you have to get it back at the end of the film. Maybe um, mm-hmm. I don't particularly like the idea of that. And the thing is, with Snyder being so unique and so, in some ways, yes, edgy, I do believe that he could probably, in his mind, go, "What if we just end the film with everyone dying, and that's it, <laughs> and that's the franchise done?" Um, yeah, I think with knowing, sort of knowing what he's done, it's not something that's ever going to be out of the question. Yeah. And also, I kind of, you know, will it get in the way of the, the new Batman film, which I'm very excited mm. for. Um, yeah. And also, I think my interpretation of comic films and blockbuster franchises is I would rather have, you know, a trilogy or two films from a director and an actor who are just committed to their idea of that character and then in ten year, or five or ten years time after that get a new version compared mm. to committing to a universe for all the characters we've ever had. Like Marvel is working Marvel's working great. Do we need every intellectual intellectual property to be in one to have their own universes that have to tie up together? I don't think we need that all the time. Um, no we don't. Um the greatest strength that DC can play to now are the differences between DC and Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Leaning into the fact that they can do any hero at any point, any any given story is it's it's the you know, it's the greatest difference. And it's probably the best trump card. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think I would be, I would be happy if we ended it here. I wouldn't be like, wow, we got to get in the next one because it ends in a cliffhanger. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, I could easily just in my mind go, uh, you know, it's if the if humanity loses humanity, then if a clock loses humanity, then well, it's gone to shit. Um, but however, that won't be happening because more people, more people are coming together, and Batman's going to be people that the person that gets everyone together um, mm. and all that. Um, 
similar thing to like Spider-Man 2 is my favorite film of all time there is a sequel sequel set up in that film of Harry Osborn and I think it it works uh, but I don't walk away, walk away from that film thinking about the Harry Osborn sequel set up scene really no. I think, <laughs> um, well it's obviously it sets the landscape for a sequel it's not important that it's followed it's not like a massive cliffhanger where we desperately need to know the answer mm-hmm. it's yeah. Like you said, it's enough for me to take in that, that mess sequence and then take in the scene that comes after it and just be like, yeah, that's the worst possible thing, but it won't happen because of the humanity of the characters and the lessons they've learned over the course of these three films. Yeah. It's, and like even in the name of the nightmare world, it's a nightmare, not the future. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and I think that's a good way of putting it. And I think as well, like I, I think we said it before, before we got on the podcast, when we were texting each other, that... I was really scared that the film was going to end in an actual cliffhanger of mm. the plot of this movie wasn't going to get wrapped up. <laughs> like, I thought when the thing explodes, everyone dies, and the flash got hit, or, like, with the bullet thing, the alien the alien rifle thing, yeah. um, I had a really strong feeling for, like, a minute. I was like, are they going to kind of, like, just cut to black? Or cut to the nightmare world, and that's going to be it? <laughs> um, that would have... That would have... I think that would have crushed me. <laughs> I'll mm. be honest. That would have really soured my overall kind of uh, takeaway from it. Um, but what we have is a movie that wraps up, wraps up its own plot and then kind of goes, maybe this could happen, but yeah. probably not. <laughs> so I'm okay with it being as it is. But yeah, if it, it happens, is very much its own thing. Yeah, if it happens, I'll obviously be ha- happy to see it and go see it. And at the same time, go see the Batman from Matt Reeves. <laughs> uh we are very much spoiled at this point of being we fans. <laughs> we are. So, um, who cares, really? <laughs> yeah. And you've also, got the, you've also got the fact that any sequel isn't going to be like this. <laughs> yeah. Any sequel is not going to be a four-hour episode. It would be incredible if it goes a five hours. <laughs> I know. Um, it's highly likely it would be the same. It would be, it would be more cinema-orientated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no game where there probably would be a director's cut that's four hours long that comes out afterwards. Yeah. I think every film, aside from uh, Man of Steel, has some sort of extended cut with, with Snyder. Um, probably. So. <laughs> that would not surprise me. Yeah. And the same thing with Watchmen. Like, I like the theatrical version, but I much prefer the, the extended version compared mm-hmm. to that. Um, and I think, again, going back to that point of it's a feature, not a bug about how he makes films. Mm-hmm. Um, that longer running time is very much needed because he spends so much time loving the characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, just he spends so much time being that. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> um, and I guess, like last point that we kind of got on my list here is, how do you feel about the 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 musical the musical score compared to the last one? Oh, I think it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's one of the best from any superhero film. The like the electric bass riffs that keep on happening, oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it just it'll pop up every now and then when when they're preparing to battle or when they're going in. It be like, yeah, <laughs> we do. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go beat up that big alien with a weird head. <laughs> and also, oh, yeah, um, the CGI was incredible for the most part. I thought it was. It worked, it worked really well. There were obviously a few iffy bits, like Martian Manhunter looked questionable. Uh, yeah, kind of a bit weird. Um... Um, and this, I think there's some bits near the beginning that made me go, oh, is this kind of unfinished? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. With, with Emma Scarrow. 
Mm, yeah, um, yeah, that, that in particular. But I, I think for the most part, it works pretty well. That um, flashback battle with Darkseid, mm-hmm. loved it. That is Lord of the Rings with superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> it was. There's a Green Lantern gets his hand cut off. Jesus Christ! I love and when it. he tries to grab the Lantern ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then like, David Thewlis is there. Yeah. The oh my God, he was. I saw that in the credits. I thought, wait a minute. Yeah. What's he doing here? <laughs> and now it kind of, it kind of again lines up with the Wonder Woman flashback of him being like a muscle-bound uh, guy um, mm-hmm. in the first Wonder Woman film, and now we get to see that in a big battle. It's crazy. Um, no. um, please, Zeus is shooting lasers, shooting lightning everywhere. Yeah, everyone, everyone's just just doing cool stuff, and <laughs> and it ends with like Darkseid getting an axe to his neck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what a battle sequence! Yeah, and... I, I I was I was I was watching that um, that sort of most of it with my mum. Mm-hmm. She was in the room. She sort of she she, she came and went because obviously. The whole afternoon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when that ended, we went back to um, Diana explaining it, and she's like, God, was that just a flashback? <laughs> yeah. It's just a flashback, you know? We spent so much money on it, but who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, I Again, I, I keep on going back to it, but like the CGI, um, Steppenwolf, especially to me, really surprised me. I mean, compared to the PS3 kind of texture in the last version. Mm. Going, from... I think I, I think I found the perfect description of that old one. He looks like a PS3 Skyrim villain. Oh my god! Yeah, that is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like it's like one where you, know, you fight your way through all the spiders in the cave, and then you come to this, you come to the uh, the final room, and there he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> a grey kind of just kind of pixelated part. <laughs> <laughs> a grey thing with an axe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I this mean, version, I, I, like, I could not believe how good like the armor. I wasn't over. Sorry, it is the armor. I was going to say that the armor looks incredible to me. It did. I think part part of me in my mind was sort of thinking, sort of sighing at the fact that it's a big, great silver thing. Oh yeah, shiny Megatron type thing. But at the same time, I was thinking. Yeah, but it looks great compared to the crap we had before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, the design I don't particularly love. It's again, it's grey villain, it's a DC mm. villain thing. But yeah, the way it looks on a texture CGI level, and again, he's given a motivation this time around. <laughs> mm. yeah, I, think, I think that's probably the, the best way of put, best way of describing the design. Like, I'm not overly keen on the base idea, but the way it was done was brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. That's just that suit the way it sort of flexes. <laughs> yeah, I love the way it um the spider thing as well. Ooh, had... freaky. What happened in the other version? I can't even was there a spider in that version? I don't think so. Guy that came probably, out. Probably just told him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I had... and then Darkseid when he lands in his you see that like his wrinkly hand kinda like grab the soil. <laughs> Ooh yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to freeze frame on that one just for a bit. <laughs> um, I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, do you have any other points you want to go through? Um, I think that's it. I mean, I'm sure after another rewatch, we'd come up with another another hour and a half worth of comments. Yeah. It's... Um, but right now, I I don't really. No, I don't really think I have any. 
Yeah. Um, it's... Oh, oh yeah, I, I forgot um Commissioner Gordon's in it. He's in it. I can't I can't get my head around why he's in it. <laughs> like he's just kind of there for a minute. And then it's that's like, it. it's like it's kind it's kinda of like so we have to deliver this exposition. And I can just remember just imagine them in like a in like a writer's room. And one of them has this massive catalogue. <laughs> and they say, We have we have we have exposition that's needed needed to be delivered. Get the get the get the get the catalogue, we need to find a character. <laughs> Let's pick yeah. one. I, I like his I liked his uh, performance, but I just don't think I can have an opinion on it because I don't really see much of him. He's kind of just there. Mm, same. Um, uh, the question that's still not answered is why is he? Why did Jacob Simmons get so like ripped? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe there's uh, there's an extra scene that was cut from this where he brawls three parademons at once. Maybe maybe it was in the flashbacks fighting Darkseid. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, it's it's um. He, he was cut from the the nightmare sequence where um, he's he, he's with them all. He's got he's got two. He's gone commando style. He's got two heavy machine guns, <laughs> and he's got like a like a, a Rambo bandana around his head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would pay to see that. So mm-hmm. yeah, like they they, they all see <laughs> Superman arrive, and Commissioner goes like, "Stand back, boys! I've got this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess my only other point I can think of is how do you feel about just in general? I know we talk about Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman killing, but how do you feel about just a general kind of R-rated gore and swear words? I guess. Um, initially, it was like a bit of a surprise. Like going in, I, th- I was just thinking, yeah, they've said it's R-rated, but <laughs> what, what are we actually talking here? Yeah. Um, I thought there'd be a little splash every now and then. Um. I I I I sort of just got used to it. I thought it was fine. I thought it gave it like a slightly darker edge. Mm-hmm. Like obviously you never got that in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Um. There was sort of a little bit a little bit of joy. Well, not joy, but a little bit of enjoyment of seeing Steppenwolf just cider an Atlantean in half. <laughs> I have to admit, yeah, same. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about the comic movies having. Every once in a while, like a random bit of actual violence. It's kind of just, oh, <laughs> we're doing mm. that. <laughs> I think it helps add a bit of brutality to Steppenwolf. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't um, feel threatened by the last version, but this time I was like, this guy, this guy's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, I was, I was sort of fine with it. I didn't really have any feelings either way. Did you have any strong feelings? <sighs> Not really. I mean, I kind of found it kind of funny to kind of laugh at it when, like, Cyborg and Batman says, like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Something about that has kind of made me go, that's, that's a teenager. <laughs> like, that's, like, a again, a teenager version of edginess, but mm-hmm. didn't really bother me. It kind of just... It kind of annoyed me on, like, a... If I was a kid, I couldn't watch this film. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's the Justice League. It's Superman and Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um... And I can't, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to watch it if I was like seven years old. Um, but other than that, I kind of just kind of go, but you got the Shazam movie in the corner, it's doing its thing. And mm-hmm. you've got Aquaman and you've got, you got Infinity War and all that sort of stuff. And 
Just every once in a while, sure, have the character say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Let, let them say let them say fuck more than their one allowance they get in a. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a, a PG thirteen one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought like, we 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 we've made our sort of thoughts clear in the past on the fact that something being R rated doesn't make it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This seems to be an obsession with it, and I'm I'm fine with this being R rated, providing it doesn't cause people to think, "Oh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was good because it was R rated." Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not what I'm, uh, yeah, that's what I want to avoid thinking about mm-hmm. when people talk about this film of like, "Oh, it's dark, therefore it's better." No, <laughs> it's just a different ex- just a different approach. Um, mm-hmm. which either works for you or doesn't work for you and that's fine mm-hmm. um, but yeah um, overall I really loved this movie I was simultaneously like expecting what I got but at the same time always ex- like the entire way through surprised <laughs> yeah I spent good portions of it just looking at it and thinking yeah this, this is beautiful yeah <laughs> um, but yeah any final thoughts to put together um, no, I just think it's it's an achievement. I'm glad it's been made. Mm-hmm. Um, from a, a from a film standpoint as well, from a, a personal one. Like to 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 know that you know, some uh, this thing might have gone a little bit away to providing a bit of closure for for Snyder and his family. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. and that this his his vision has been completed, and that's that's from a from a film perspective, that's just a general win. Mm, yeah, that, that this has happened, but you know, just for the sake that whenever I've seen Snyder in an interview, he seemed like a like a nice guy. Yeah, like a really genuine guy, and I'm just happy for him that while while obviously it won't it won't take back the tragedy that happened to him, mm. I'm just pleased that that they, they they've they've had this go a little bit away towards that. Yeah, and I I mean the the Hallelujah song at the end really hit me. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. Especially the singer who sang it, who was amazing. Oh god, yeah. That voice was incredible. Um, but yeah, um, overall, I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I guess if you have any comments on the film, like let us know on a review, maybe of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, let us know. We want to know what you think. Yeah, or any you know, criticism or praise of us would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just praise us, really. All we want is mm-hmm. praise. Um, we want a slow motion shot of us uh, and exiting a pub and diving into the ocean. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like wrapping up, I guess. Um, I just want to mention again, I guess. Uh, we have Instagram account at Marvelous at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, where we do every other day reviews and weekly podcast go out week, uh, uh, weekly podcast go out on Monday. <laughs> Um, Twitter, same thing over there. Uh, every other day reviews. Uh, weekly podcast come out on Monday. Uh, at Cinema Marvels for Twitter. Um, like I said, give a review, give a thoughts on your movie, thoughts on us, whatever you want, really. Um, <laughs> do whatever you like. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Um, goodbye, I guess. Yeah, thank you very much. We'll catch you another time. <laughs>